Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I got a million ways to get it. Uh, hello, Bears. Let's play some football. Who's next? Double your money and make a stack. Bears Hour Live. With Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitosian. Hold up. Hey. Hey. Osweiler play fake quickly sets up in the pocket with time. Osweiler tight spiral left side. And it's intercepted. Wrestled away from DeAndre Hopkins. Tracy Porter swipes him inside the 25-yard line of the Bears. Bears football and a takeaway in Houston. Snap Hoyer from under center, sidesteps to the pocket, taps the ball, going to the end zone. He's got Meredith up in the air, leaping catch, touchdown. Touchdown Bears. And Cameron Meredith backing up as he leaped for the catch. And the Bears are an extra point away from tying the game. You play to win the game. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You're here with Lauren Cox and Philatoshin on a Thursday night here in November. We're previewing Bears Buccaneers this Sunday at Soldier, or excuse me, in Tampa Bay. The Bears are coming off their bye week. They got a little bit healthier. They got, you know, rejuvenated after a big win over the Minnesota Vikings. They've had some time to look back on that game to grow from the first half of the season, to kind of put all of those losses behind them and work their way towards maybe getting back in the mix of some things because the NFC North is a weak division right now. You've got the Detroit Lions of all teams sitting like a game out of first place, I believe. And that was one of the few teams the bad Chicago Bears were even able to beat. So clearly this thing is wide open and continuing this run for the Bears starts on Sunday, building off of last week's win and and trying to get a second win in a row against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Phil, we saw a glimpse of just how good this team can be against the Minnesota Vikings. But how confident are you that they'll actually be able to build on that and not allow this to be like the Green Bay game on Thanksgiving last year, where it was it was a big big boost and then a, a total letdown beyond that. And they they lost three straight games and all of the hope that they had built in a big divisional win against the division leader. It was lost. Well, Lauren, you know, you have been around this football team for years, and it's not just this administration. The consistency button seems to never be pushed where they're pulling wins and, and battling consistency. I think the last time we saw that level of play Anywhere on a football field with Bears helmets was when Lovey Smith was here. They were able to establish a defensive system that was able to keep them in games and overcome a lot, as well as some dynamic special teams play to continue to put wins on the board. And unfortunately for Bears fans and, and analysts that truly care about this football team, they haven't seen it. So the panic button, so to speak, with people that I love and respect is there. How are they going to come out and play with a bye week, preparing to play a Tampa Bay team, which quite frankly, to me on tape, looks very, very shaky. They have a couple pieces to the puzzle a great three technique. Um, quarterback Jameis Winston is honestly so up and down sporadic. I just have no confidence if he was my quarterback in his play. So the Bears defense, if they can play with that emotion and that passion that brought out, and then you have the elements coming into play here with you know, the hot, warm weather. I know they went down there last year and they won – they had a big turnover by Harold Jones Corte. But are they going to put back to back wins and really focus on what you do best? That's run the football, 
play action game off of it. And they've been playing good defense. So can it be great defense like they showed against the Minnesota Vikings, Lauren? That consistency has to be the calling card going into this game. You can't let up. You gotta smell blood in the water and attack the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, you know, you thought there might be more blood in the water with the injuries that Jameis Winston and Mike Evans suffered last week, but both of them have been full participants at practice this week. Doug Martin has been limited, but one notable injury for the Buccaneers, uh, Jaquiz Rogers is, is still out for them. So he's he did not practice this week, so the, the, they could be without the, the uh, former Bears running back, who's, who, all jokes aside, has been a, a pretty significant part of their backfield in coordination with Doug Martin. But, you know, certainly it's going to be a stronger, healthier Tampa Bay Buccaneers team than we once thought a week ago, but it's also going to be a stronger, healthier Bears team than we once thought a week ago. I mean, Eddie Goldman's returning to practice this week. Marquise Wilson is back at practice, but he's not on the active roster yet. They they can activate him for the games they want, but they can also stash him there off the roster, on the pup list for, I think, another almost three full weeks before they actually have to make a decision on him. Uh, Josh Sitton and Kyle Long are both back practicing on a limited basis, but you know, you're not 100% sure they'll be back, but with the cutting of Ed- Cornelius Edison, you have to think, they're pretty much in the clear there. And Tracy Porter, Bryce Callahan back out there. There's a lot of names on the Bears that they've been missing for a long time that they could be back this week. And that that could provide a similar boost, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A guy like Goldman coming in, the same boost you saw the offense get from Jay Cutler last week. You could easily see Goldman coming back at the nose tackle, making a big play in the backfield and, and giving some juice to this defense when they need it. Yeah, definitely getting that big plugger in the middle who – is proud of the weight that he's able to lose and still maintain that kind of explosion. I know I saw some good things with him in the one and a half games that he was able to play. So to get him back, especially when you look at who is playing in front of him, Lauren and Will Sutton, getting him back is going to be a dynamic piece to get going and, and get this defense started because it all starts at that nose tackle position schematically you've seen Vic Fangio do some different things to get the pass rush going you know rookie Leonard Floyd took a step forward you saw some things that you really like to see from him continue to put him in situational football where his ability to rush the passer or scheme in doing loop and twist game with him and get him inside, splitting tackles, and going after the quarterback. Hopefully that continues. But like I said, anybody placing confidence on Jameis Winston, he's probably one of the lower half quarterbacks in this league, in my opinion. He's got a tendency to just throw ball, doesn't like to get sacked, will throw it anywhere and everywhere. So if you can get pressure on this quarterback, run those dog games, come inside on him, showcase that blitz game, the A-gap pressure, I think you can get after, create turnovers in this game, and that's something they haven't done enough of in Chicago, and yet you still see a competitive defense out there. Obviously, the story of Monday night, I think Dal Loggins hit it right on the head. Yes, it was a great running game, but I'm paraphrasing his quote, Lauren, for the time being. I know you could probably pull it up. Jay was the impetus of what transpired on Monday Night Football. The guy doesn't get enough credit in this NFL, you know, and to see what was transpiring against the number one defense in the NFL. Now they've gone into a spin cycle, they being the Minnesota Vikings. But I really feel as though there was an opportunity for Minnesota to stomp out the light of the Chicago Bears and really all the players in unison coming out and saying what Jay Cutler means to this football team is not falling on deaf ears. I know there's a lot of Jaces out there that don't want to hear that, but the reality on tape, if you know how to watch tape, you recognize a uh, second pressure, third pressures, inability to run patterns, lack of talent surrounding him, now a lot of players and pieces to the puzzle are coming back. That night you were able to see what he brings to the table, and I really quite honestly think this is another game where Cutler can rip apart 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary with the use of Alshon Jeffrey, a healthy Eddie Royal coming back. Looks like he's going to play. You got Cameron Meredith in the mix, Zach Miller. If Marquise Wilson's in the mix, that's only another positive to this passing game where some of the personnel decisions, Lauren, as we talked, have been questionable at best. So I'm excited to see. I really believe this football team is going to come out and play fired up football. I feel like it's in the air. I think the humble pie that Jay was served really spoke out. I like how he spoke to the media again today, even referencing his support for Donald Trump and not being afraid to say the truth. And that's the kind of football player you want on your football team. Yeah, you know, and uh, Donald Trump stuff aside, I'm really <laughs> curious to see how what he's able to do with a healthier team coming out. You know, last week against the Minnesota Vikings, it was kind of the worst-case scenario on the offensive line with both Josh Sitton and Kyle Long out. And if both of those guys are back in, that should boost the running game, which was fantastic. Without him, and it should give Jay even more time to throw in a pocket against the front seven that's not nearly as strong as the Minnesota Vikings was last week. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Gerald McCoy is kind of – their only standout in the front seven, and even their secondary, like you, like you also tried to hint at, isn't very strong. I mean, Chris Conti is still their starting safety, so that kind of <laughs> that that should clue you in. I mean, they've, they've got Brent Grimes and Gerald McCoy, and that's pretty much their defense right now. Noah Spence, your boy, has been having yep. a pretty good rookie season, but outside of that, you've got a lot of guys playing average, below average football. Even on that defensive line, Akeem Spence and Devontae Lambert aren't playing that well. They're not getting after the quarterback. They're not stopping the run very well. And in that secondary, I mentioned Conti, but even Vernon Hargraves, the rookie corner, he's been struggling a little bit, although they've been putting him in a lot of tough situations. And without a strong front seven to give him much of a pass rush, I'm sure he's been picked on a lot more than is probably fair for a rookie like him. And uh, Bradley McDougal, their other safety, has been pretty average in my opinion. So there's not a lot on this defense that scares you. And the way that this uh, the Bears offense was able to beat a scary defense in the Minnesota Vikings last week, you would think this should be a walk in the park for Jay Cutler and company. But I still, it's hard to trust Dowell Loggins from you know, more than one game. I mean, it was so encouraging what we saw last week, but it's hard without seeing it, without it, it's sort of like a prove it to me again. You know, we saw it once, show me that that wasn't a fluke against the Minnesota Vikings. Show me that you understand what it takes to coach winning football with the offense that you have, with the players that you have, and know at this point in the season. Show me that you learned something over the bye week and that you're not just going to jump back to what you wanted to do at the beginning of the season because you just want to make that work when it's not what was working for winning football. Well, you just hope they go out there and they do what they do best. Now, before we jump the gun and, you know, graduate applause to Kyle Long and Josh Sitton coming back. I thought um, Eric Cush played a hell of a football game as well as Cody White here. I thought they were the real heart and soul of how you were able to run that football along with obviously Jordan Howard's ability to break through arm tackles and be physical at the point of attack. Uh, Anybody tackling him, he's, got great body lean and pad level and he forces guys to dread having to put their bodies in there. That kind of running back is what you wanted to see throughout this whole football season. So just like you, I I really took a step back this week, watched a lot of tape in my free time, which was very difficult. (laughs) This week was very, these past two weeks have been crazy for me, but Giving my free time to watching the tape, I really got to give something that I wouldn't expect a lot of credit to Dow Loggins, only because when he was hamstrung, yes, hamstrung with Brian Hoyer, he was able to surmount what they would be able to do with him by the short passing game, getting yards and moving the football and giving your team an opportunity to win. He can't make Brian Hoyer read the field and hit the open man. So I don't want to be that hard on after looking at it and understanding you're kind of walking with a limp or having to have a crutch with you, Lauren, having Brian Hoyer in the backfield as your quarterback. As you heard on the Daily Dose, as we talked about at the bar room, at the Bear Bar Room podcast, you and I and, and 
Jose Cotto, uh, Shane Marsaw, and Aldo Gandia, all of us were in unison talking about the reality of not having Jay Cutler out there being a hamstrung, a hamstring strain to this football team. I think I clearly is the was the loudest, and I'll always be for the truth. I think I'm not afraid to ever stick my neck out there for what I believe and see. So I felt kind of rewarded, if you will, watching what we saw against the tough Minnesota Viking team on Monday night and the way Jay Cutler was used and how he played. It was exactly what we talked about, Lauren, leading up to what they needed to do to be successful on offense with Jay Cutler. We both have to agree in unison that we hope that Dow Loggins continue to do. Hang your hat on the power run game, counter game, and boot action game off of it with the deep action pass. Get Alshon Jeffrey involved early. Make him the dime piece that he is. He's the franchise player. This secondary, as you mentioned, you got a rookie, you got a couple odd pieces, and you got Chris Conti. You know Chris Conti very well. Jay Cutler knows what Chris Conti is and can do. Very athletic guy, not a physical guy. Put him isolated on an island with Jordan Howard. Make him pay. Make him start thinking. He could be out of the game, as you know. We used to walk. We, me and Shane Marshall used to call it the Conti walk. It was Every 15 minutes, he's walking <laughs> to the locker room. There goes Chris Conti. He's hurt again. But the reality is you understand that, and as harsh as that is for some people listening in, you don't want to wish any injury on anybody, but you also want to understand your opponent and their weaknesses. And NFL football is all about matchups. And Alshon Jeffrey is a mismatch in this game. He should have a huge game. Uh, Zach Miller is a mismatch for their linebackers. He should have another huge game. So that run game with Jordan Howard and Kadeem Carey and mixing in a little bit of Jeremy Langford should be the impetus of success on the offensive side of the football. The defense has to just get after Winston because I think Winston is a D to C minus quarterback on tape, Lauren. Well, and the Bears' defense won't have the benefit this week of going up against one of the league's quarterback offensive lines. And I'm, it's not as though the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' offensive line is fantastic by any means, but they do have a little bit more consistency than the human turn styles the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> was able to put out uh, on Sunday or on Monday, excuse me. Um, you know, uh, Donovan Smith has struggled a little bit at left tackle for them, and their right tackle, uh, I believe that's Kevin Pam. Pampile? Pam, no, he's their guard. Kevin Pampile. Pampile. <laughs> he's their left guard. They got a lot of offensive linemen with names that are hard to pronounce. DeMar Dodson, Ali Marpet, Kevin Pampile, Joe Hawley, and then uh, Evan Dietrich-Smith, who rotates in there sometimes. It's it's not necessarily a great unit, but they they have done a decent job overall, and they've been a little bit better, I think, as run blockers than pass protector. But you mentioned getting after Jameis Winston. He's a guy that, especially when he's not playing with a lead, and he's got a you know, the, the onus is on him to try and get points on the board for his team. That's when he starts forcing things. It's sort of like the, the narrative for the young Jay Cutler in that sense where he's going to try and throw some balls downfield that sometimes he can hit and it's going to be a spectacular throw, but a lot of times it's going to end up being an interception that costs his team. And actually eight of his nine interceptions this season have come not under pressure. And I mean, his, his accuracy has certainly dropped in incredibly under pressure. He's a 46% completion percentage under pressure compared to 66 with no pressure but those interceptions have all come with or eight of the nine of them have come with no pressure he's because he gets in those situations where he has to try and force it downfield even from a clean pocket he's trying to make plays for his offense when it's not there and ultimately it ends up hurting them and the bears have to do the you know the bears offense has to hold up their end of the bargain because if they can keep a lead they can put the pressure on james winston make the buccaneers abandon that running game that has been pretty solid and once, once you put that pressure on Winston, not, not necessarily the pass rush pressure, but the game pressure of leading his team to victory, I think that's when you can take advantage of Jameis Winston the most and put him on the spot as a young quarterback. Absolutely. Make him the deciding factor in this game. If anything, he reminds me of a young 
Matthew Stafford, where any kind of pressure, and Matthew has grown in this department, especially this year. I see an improved Stafford. But any kind of pressure, he's throwing errant balls anywhere. I'm talking screens. He doesn't care. He's just going to throw it away, throw it up for grab. In fact, last year, the key play in the game was a pressure by Willie Young uh, and an interception by Harold Jones-Corte based on Willie Young's pressure on him. He just decided he's going to throw it into double coverage, and you see what happens there. That Anything at his feet, this is not a clean quarterback. He's not a thinking reading quarterback yet he's not at that level he's a playmaker open passes he's gonna make and he's gonna hit but god forbid there's bodies on the ground near him he's gonna start throwing the football anywhere and you have to be ready and conscious and aware you know last week lauren there was a key play in the game or could have been a huge play in the game where um Pernell McPhee sacks Sam Bradford. Ball is on the ground. Bears are celebrating instead of attacking the football. You hope this week you've learned from that because Jameis Winston has a tendency to hold the ball erratically and try to make these throws. So stripping the ball out of there, you can get some turnovers. That'll come short field. Some things that you haven't seen a lot for the Chicago Bears. In fact, I think Jay Cutler drove the team 94 yards, 86 yards to get into scoring position. You didn't see short fields. So that's something that could really put this game out of reach. And you hope that you get on top of them, you sense the blood in the water, and you attack and you bury this kind of football team. You don't want to keep them around in a game. You want to get rid of them, crush their spirit, and get out of there with another win and move on to the next game. Yeah, and you talk about those turnovers. I know that's been a big thing that people keep pointing to with Vic Fangio's defense, that they just haven't been able to generate them this year. I mean, only a few guys have interceptions. I think Porter might have two, but they haven't. I, I, I don't. I saw somebody tweet out a stat. I think it was Chris Emmon. I don't remember if it I think it was just the Bears have had 12 interceptions in their last 24 games or something like that, and that's, that's significantly low compared to a lot of Vic Fangio's defenses in the past. Um, but yeah, Porter has two, Jacoby Glenn has one, and DeAndre Hall has one, and neither Glenn or Hall are currently active players on the team right now, so there's clearly a lack of <laughs> of turnover causers, at least at this point. I mean, guys like Jones, Corte, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, they have the capacity to do so, and we've seen them all get their hands on balls, maybe not easy interceptions by any means, but they, they do have a knack for at least finding the ball and, and getting in the way of some pass lanes, so I think this is a good opportunity for them to be able to try and take advantage. Although, if they couldn't get an interception out of Blake Bortles, I don't know if they're going to get an interception out of Jameis Winston. I mean, not that Winston is significantly better by any means. Oh, they did get one interception out of Blake Bortles, excuse me. I think that was uh, Jacoby Glenn's. But still, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if, if they're going to be able to take advantage, especially if they can't generate that pass rush because we haven't seen them do it against a non-Vikings offensive line, at least at the consistent high level that you need to see from your front seven. But at the same time, You've got Eddie Goldman back. You've got Pernell McPhee with more rest, so he's going to be a lot more healthy. Leonard Floyd isn't even on the injury report for the first time in a while. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, even if they weren't missing time, they're going to be a lot healthier than they've been. And this could be that game where you start to see the the pass rush turn a little bit of a corner because the Jackson or because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line, although it's not bad, it does have its weak links, and I think you can see Fangio try and work some of those schemes, some of those stunts, some of those twists, bring different guys from different directions to try and isolate those struggling players and put them in situations where they're one-on-one against a superior Bears pass rusher, and that's how you can win with your defensive coordinator drawing it up for your defense. It's all about matchups. That's what you got to see, and you got to make the most of these matchups. Now, right now, with Glenn being waived, he's on the practice squad. Is Devontae Bosby is... Uh, Callahan going to be back playing the corner. Those kind of questions are going to be have to be answered because that seems to be where teams are attacking the opposite corner, trying to get big plays out there and get things moving for opposing. And, and let's not take for granted the um, big receivers that they have in Tampa. So that could be the one area where the Chicago Bears have a weakness. It's that corner. 
And you have to be able to get that pass rush to help out those corners because it seems like week in and week out for the last few, as far as they're bending and not breaking, the cornerback position seems to be letting up big plays, Jaguars, uh, Tracy Porter with a slip. Callahan continues to go in and out of the lineup. So are they going to play Crivon LeBlanc outside? Are they going to put Bosby there? You just want to see that opposite corner, field corner, be able to get into play and make some plays for this football team moving forward because ultimately that's where I believe your weakness is clearly at when you look at the Chicago Bear defense and teams are going to strike there and try to get the chains moving because ultimately this game is about getting first downs, getting into scoring position, and hopefully Chicago Bears learn from last week playing great defense, scoring their own points, and putting game teams away. You know, you look at this secondary, specifically at the cornerback position, and there's not a lot of height to go around on this team. I mean, obviously, I, th- I think that's an overrated thing. You know, you, you say, well, J- uh, Mike Evans is 6'5", and, you know, Tracy Porter's 5'11", so he doesn't stand a chance. I don't think that's that's true by any means. But at the same time, you can't. You look across the board, and Callahan's 5'10", LeBlanc 5'11", Porter 5'11", Hurst 5'10". DeAndre Hall, of course, is 6'2", but he's still battling that ankle injury, I believe, and he's out. And Devontae Bowsby is also 6'2", but he is not the guy you want matching up with Jacoby Glenn, or excuse me, with Mike Evans, because Bowsby is not a physical cornerback, even given his size. And even even at safety, I mean, Adrian Amos is six foot two fourteen. It's not he's not small, but 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 Harold Jones Corte is five ten two eleven. But there's not a lot of there's not a lot of height, there's not a lot of length, and there's there's not a lot of size, generally speaking, in the secondary. And that is something where if I'm the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, I'm trying to take advantage of that. I just don't know if they have a quarterback and if they have an offensive line, if they have an offense as a whole that can put itself in position to be able to attack specific matchups very well when they may just be struggling to run the ball effectively or, or execute the patterns that they are calling effectively rather than trying to take that a step further. And, and attack specific weaknesses of the Bears' defense, they might just have to focus on what they can do well and just try and do that well rather than getting too in-depth with attacking the Bears because the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the Bears for a while, have been searching for some answers on both sides of the ball, and it's a lot harder to get creative on offense when you're still trying to find your base level to build off of. Absolutely, and going into this game, and this is the NFL, so any game, any time teams can win no one expected the bears to beat up on the minnesota vikings and utterly embarrass them on monday night like they did forcing norv turner into retirement and ultimately changing the tides or the feeling so far of their football season now lauren we have to wonder what bears team is going to show up and and hopefully the team that understands the importance of that run game and what it does to support your quarterback as well as what a defense does to support your quarterback. It's always and often overlooked how important a defense means to the quarterback on any team. And when people start throwing stats out there and wins and losses, all that stuff never tells the story enough to me. That's why when I watched this game and I, you know, I told Lauren earlier this or last year, you know, Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL that I've ever seen. You know, he does things. You look at Ben Roethlisberger, I thought he's the second best quarterback in this whole entire league, and people laughed at me and joked, but he does make a huge difference for his football team. The defenses help these guys. It's universal. And when I look at Jay Cutler, he's in that vicinity for me because he's a dynamic football player that makes plays and when he's given the opportunity by a defense and you guys did a great job here at bears wire bringing that into light this guy has 46 wins and eight losses when his defense gives up 20 points or less that right there that stat coincides with the tape and film study that i do that i've spoken about that you've done, Lauren, that you've spoken about, and others. And it, it just correlates to the talent that this football player is, Lauren. So I want to ask you and the listener, like, 
Yeah, look at the college tape, and you know I had Kelly as the number one, number one draft draftable quarterback coming out. He's injured now, so he's not going to come out. So a lot of people are on Kaiser and Kaya and this one and that one. But ultimately, are they better than what you have now? And ultimately, as a business, aren't you trying to improve your football team in the wins and losses and the team development department? So if you already have a car that's running and it's a beautiful-looking car and it really is great on gas and it gets you to point, are you going to try to just finance the future on a guess? That, to me, right there, is the stupid the stupidity of this narr- narrative of turning the page on Cutler next year. And I'm talking about Jeff Dickerson's and some of these Chicago Tribune guys that have never played and don't know football and just want a story. But ultimately, the sheep and the people that have followed this stuff and, and eat it up. I mean, all the way here in Connecticut, I, I'm telling you, going out trick-or-treating with my children was very enlightening because you're walking around and you're just meeting different people. And I know I'm going on a tangent here, but hold on for a second. <laughs> strangers and people that just see the Chicago Bears C on my chest, their first inclination, ah, you got to get rid of Jay Cutler. Ah, you got to get rid of Jay. It's always that's the answer. And that's the narrative because that isn't the truth. And that's how I'm bringing this full circle. I don't see the, the, the guarantee. I don't see the Wentz in this draft. I see a lot of Jared Goffs, but I don't see... An emphatic, yeah, this is the guy. And and I want to see your take on that, Lauren. Yeah, you know, and we'll, we'll definitely open up to callers, too, if anybody wants to call in and give their take on the quarterbacks. It's 608-467-5717. But I, I particularly haven't gone through in-depth and started looking a lot at these guys. I mean, I've, I've done just a little bit, so I, I don't want to make any super strong opinions on them. But I, I agree that there's not – there's no – there's no number one overall pick quarterback in this draft. I mean, at, at least at this point, there's not a guy that's like, yep, he's going to be, he is mm-hmm. the franchise quarterback, he is the guy to take. I mean, you can kind of just get the impression just from re- reading guys on draft Twitter, you know, even if they're not, or if very many of them at all are very knowledgeable sports <laughs> football analysts with strong opinions. Still, you get guys, you know, some people love Mitch Trubinsky, some people love, uh, you know, your boy Chad Kelly, although now that he's hurt. Some people are big fans of Jake Browning. I don't, I'm not 100% sure he's draft eligible. And a lot of eyes are all on, you know, Lamar Jackson for next year. You know, it, it, that kind of seems right, to be things right. like this is the year off of, of quarterbacks. And and I, you know, that I don't understand why, and we're on the same page here, that why you would get rid of Jay Cutler before you have a better option. Like you said, the goal should be winning now. There's no rebuilding years anymore there's not there's there's no we're going to take this year off with a rookie quarterback it's who gives us the best chance to win now and we'll make it work and I get the impression that the Bears they just don't seem like the kind of team that would or should jeopardize that future that immediate future for the long term I mean they seem to be you know even if they do like to opt to go with some you know younger players at certain positions a, a lot of times they do seem to be willing to to go with a veteran, go out and sign a big guy, go out and you know make the moves to make this team better in the immediate future and the and the future future, you know the actual future. And I don't, it just feels like, and unless John Fox is has full control here and, and just makes sure he gets Jay Cutler out of here, it just doesn't seem like it's it's definitely not the smart decision. And it doesn't seem like it should be the foregone conclusion that they need to make a change at quarterback just because you don't like the guy, just, be, just because he happened to vote a certain way in the election. You know what I mean? Well, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. Before we talk about Coach Fox, because I want to keep it there with you, <laughs> I want to talk really on the record. There's a kid from the University of Wyoming. He's a redshirt sophomore, Josh Allen. Josh just Allen, rem- yeah. I was just, just, remember, just remember this kid. Because that's that's my quarterback type of guy. That's a guy. If he, I don't think he's going to come out this year. But as me and you spoke a couple years ago when I told you about Wentz, this is another guy similar in athleticism, uh, just a football player that can deliver NFL 
throws. And just remember that name. You heard it here. Josh Allen, Wyoming. That's the kind of guy that I'd be willing to draft to develop. That's what we need in the NFL, in, in the Bears. You have a dynamic quarterback getting back into John Fox now. How you go on national stage and flip-flop your story three times now into what you are saying in regards to the quarterback and leaked information from Lacanfora, Schefter, Jay Glazer, Lauren, all of them in unison saying, um, we're going to start a Ford Focus and we're not going to play and start our Lamborghini. That's basically the decision made by John Fox. It has it was not made by Brian Pace. And I think there's definite differing views between the two men when it comes to the most important position on the football field. And as much as we don't want to talk about Jay Cutler all the time, it's unfortunately in Chicago forced upon it because the future is somewhere else with the quarterback. But this is a win-now league. John Fox trying to, I don't get, Lauren, tank or lose to get where. So ultimately, who are we to believe and what are we supposed to do with this head coach if things get out of control like it seemed to be going without Jay Cutler in the fold at quarterback? And I don't know what you're supposed to do if you're Ryan Pace because obviously if there's this much disconnect between the two of them, then something's got to change. And presumably that means firing your head coach because he's not, you know, he's he's your, you know, he's your um, subordinate. That's the word I was looking for. You know, you are his boss, and if he's not following the same idea as you are for building this thing that you guys are both working on, then you either and, and he seems to not be open to changing that at least at this point that you need to fire him or force him to do what you say because you know I understand a young GM not wanting to try and do it all trying to say tell John Fox how to coach his team and all that kind of stuff but at the same time you have to be on the same page as this guy and if you're not then that has to change and the, it seems like the only way that's going to change at least for John Fox is to fire him but at the same time if the Bears take this win against the Minnesota Vikings and ride it. You know, maybe they win five of their last eight games, and they're sitting at a nice seven and nine record. Hey, it's an improvement from last year. The, the public pressure to not fire—I mean, not that they, it would be crazy to fire him—but if if there's that much, if there's that one win improvement, and you know, the second half of the season goes much more swimmingly, and there's kind of that level of at least outside optimism. Then you, you're really in a tough spot as a general manager to fight. You know, do you fire the seven and nine coach who's improved his record? Because you're going to get a lot of backlash on that, even if that might be the right decision. If you're just not on the same page with your head coach, because clearly someone has to recognize the toxic, toxicity of that relationship right now. Not that they're, you know, they hate each other or anything, but clearly you have to have the people running your football team on the same page, and that's just not the case. And it, it's it's even more strange that it seems like Dowell Loggins the whole time has not been on the same page with Fox in regards to the quarterback position either. It's like right. the head coach is just going on his own and making these decisions. And if you're John Fox, like how do you not sort of step back and realize it's everyone against you about this? And, and you know, does he just think because of his experience and his track record that he knows what's best? He's older than Dowell Loggins. He's older than Ryan Pace. Well, I, I've been around. I've been around enough football teams to know what I'm doing here. And you know, that that's kind of the impression that I get. And I, I don't know how you solve that without firing him because especially if that's if that's the the reasoning he's going with and certainly that's pure speculation I don't want to I don't want to drive that home too hard but there's no there's no changing Fox at that point I mean he's he's an older coach kind of set in his ways who's looking at this being maybe his last coaching job or second to last NFL head coaching job if if not if not his last because he's an older guy like that I mean it's kind of scary that you know this team could start winning some games in spite of their early season quarterback issues that Fox had, and you're like, well, are you just going to be stuck with this guy by default because you won games? And is, is this the guy that you want making future quarterback decisions with, you know, potentially a, a big draft pick coming up, looking at these quarterbacks in the draft, or you know, maybe two years from now looking at quarterbacks in the draft? I mean, that's something you have to take in mind. If 
ideally, right, you, you maybe almost don't draft a quarterback this year and just roll with Jay again and then wait until next draft. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I need to definitely look at look more at these quarterbacks now before I can go that far. But certainly it seems like a lot of the better quarterback prospects are going to be 2018 guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, the rush to get Jay Cutler out of Chicago seems very John Fox-based, and certainly the media is doing a good job of promoting that. Well, I don't think you can say it's out of the question for Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace, this is, you know, did we hear from him this week? Normally we hear from a GM. We didn't. So the reality of this, to me, says a lot because he seems to be pro-Cutler from what I'm hearing, where the head coach is not pro-Cutler, although has said he, he was as such. To me, the political crap doesn't win football. Okay, that's not winning football. When you're playing politics and you're pushing your own agenda, then you've lost the game. You know, if you're benching people for reasons, you know, significant reason, look at the Jets benching those players for missing meetings. That's good stuff. Setting a tone, trying to set a locker room. If you're benching guys that are healthy, that are is essentially hurting your ball club from winning. It's keeping you. I mean, I'm not speaking rocket science here. Anybody watching the Bears on Monday night recognized a whole different feel to the offense. The final score was one thing. The reality of what you saw could have been a lot worse had Alshon Jeffrey come down with two more touchdowns. Then John Fox is really being looked at. However, he's playing the flip-flop card of saying he's always been about Jay Cutler, which... I've told you, Lauren's talking to you, telling you, this is not true. It's not real life. And that, unfortunately, is a letdown because when you're wrong, admit you're wrong. You know, that's how you handle locker rooms. That's how you handle situation. I've admitted I'm wrong. I was wrong about Coach Fox. I thought he was a different guy. And I thought the ability to hold people accountable, cleaning up a locker room, handling Business decisions for the betterment of the football team was his calling card. This decision, benching your best football player on the football team for whatever reason. Now, you know he was hurt. He hurt his thumb, Jay Cutler, Houston. Tried to play uh, the Philadelphia Eagle game. You definitely saw something was going on when he's throwing balls into the dirt. He goes out of the game. They don't handle that right. You got punk, Twitter, keyboard, tough guys now calling Jay a a wussy, starting with a P. You got all that stuff going on, and it becomes a national. You got Charles Woodson, for God's sake, running a narrative now. So all of a sudden, the QB position in Chicago becomes a need from the Matt Millers of the world who haven't scouted, or I don't even know what they scout, what they see. They talk to people, then they tell you that. So defining what it is that you need, to me, looking at this football team, they need a corner. They need an offensive tackle. Okay? That's Two what they need. Yeah. So those types of players, they can use another, every team could use another pass rusher. They could use an, a backup nose guard that's dynamic. Those things are more of a need to win now. Because this isn't time that you have. Oh, we're building. That doesn't work. So you need to win now. Stack games, beat Tampa, yes. But the quarterback position should be the last concern when I'm looking at this roster. Finding someone to develop should be something that you take on every year. But turning the pay and and you think you're just going to get rid of Jay Cutler and have no plan quote-unquote, John Fox, that's just stupidity. Well, and while you were saying all that, I mean, I totally agreed with everything that you were saying, but I started to think about, you know, about Fox and about the decisions they've made, and uh, let me me paint a picture for you. Let me tell you, I want to get your opinion on this. Let's say say you're John Fox, you know, you're starting year two in Chicago, and 
you know, Adam Gase is gone, even though you thought he should stay because, you, you know, you like what he was doing with Jay and didn't think he was ready to be head coach, whatever. And now Dowell's here. He and Jay are all are great pals, and they're ready to do a lot with this offense. And, you know, Jay gets hurt week one against Houston, you know, says he wants to be back out there, but you're not really you're not really sure, and you let him go back against Philly, and he gets hurt again. And then he's out for the Dallas game, and he's out for the Lions game, and Brian Hoyer comes in, and you, you actually win that Detroit Lions game. And, like, a part of me wonders if, if Fox – Maybe he thought that Jay needed to be, you know, like he needed, you know, we talked about the humble pie that Jay got because of this. Like maybe this was all intentional from Fox and it was never about Jay necessarily not being the best chance to win, but feeling like you could win with Brian Hoyer while you're teaching Jay a lesson. You know, like you feel like, you know, you came within six points of beating Indianapolis and you, you came short and obviously Brian wasn't getting the job done there. You come within one point of the Jacksonville Jaguars and actually, you know, you, you, sh- you were ahead in that game for quite a long time. And then, you know, the Green Bay game was something else. But really, two of those games, the two games after the Lions game, you were right in it and could have won if, if a couple of that other things have not gone your way, even though Hoyer wasn't playing all that well. So then, you know, maybe he feels like, he was going to ride out the Hoyer thing until it, it stopped working and then put Jay back in. He'd have a more motivated, a more humble, you know, maybe he felt like Jay was getting too, you know, too comfortable or too, I don't know. I don't know the right adjective, but you know, like he, maybe he felt like Jay and Dowell were getting along too well and not doing what they needed to do or, or something upon that sense. And then, you know, did the whole charade with you know not backing a quarterback to try and motivate Jay and bring him back knowing that he would come into the second half of the season with a weaker schedule motivated and you know not planning to lose the three games the Colts Jaguars and Packers but that kind of happened from other failures on the team and certainly Fox deserves blame for that too but I don't don't know what what is your take on that that maybe he could have had an ulterior motive of it actually doing it not because he thought Brian Hoyer gave him the best chance to win but, but because he thought Jay Cutler needed this. Well, I mean, it's a great point if you're doing it for a couple of weeks. I think there's it was inexcusable in my mind to go against Green Bay and have a healthy Jay Cutler not out there. That, to me, you've already sent the message. So you benched him against the... Uh, Jaguars and the Colts, you know, now you're setting a player that everyone on the team knows should be in. I just think you're sending the wrong messages. There's a certain letdown, just like any team. You know, if Derek Carr goes out, is he, are the, is the team sitting him down to humble him until he comes back healthy? That kind of stuff works if you know, there was a whole mess involved in going on. And yes, there must be a mess behind scenes. Everybody was talking about there's got to be some more to this. But ultimately, I think you did your team a disservice by going up against your rivals and not playing your best opportunity, having the best opportunity to win. And just like we predicted, Lauren against a great pass rush and a fired-up Green Bay team, I don't see Brian Hoyer being successful, and he might get injured. Well, it ultimately ended up happening right in front of the national audience, and then you got the backup. You didn't even have Jay dressed as a backup that night. <clears throat> he can't go out there and move the ball without throwing an interception. So you don't. you only get 16 of these, so... To play that kind of long game, to me, with these stories coming out that they're turning the page on Jay Cutler after the season, I don't know how. That That's like driving your car into a wall at freaking 85 miles an hour, stupid, in business. <laughs> so I don't know how the Bears <coughs> – there's a guy playing tonight, Cody Kessler, in, in Cleveland, you know – Ryan Fitzpatrick holding out for, you know, he wanted $18 million. He gets $12 million. Look what he's doing and playing like with Brandon Marshall, uh, Matt Forte, if you remember those two guys. Ooh. Look at how look at how poorly he's playing over there. 
this is a hard game. It's the hardest position to play in all of sports to find guys that could go out on a Monday night game with their backs up against the wall on a team looking for a leader and ultimately show it on the big stage and throw throws when he's not played for weeks and and also not even be invited to the practice field when Brian Hoyer's out. I don't know what that is, if that's Brian Hoyer's delicate ego. Whatever the thing or whatever the truth, it will come out even further later. But the reality is I think that's a failing grade by your head coach to not put the team first and talk to Jay Cutler as a man if there's issues or there's things that you don't like. But the reality is you loved him just fine at the end of last season. You showed that in the draft. You drafted none of those quarterbacks. Okay? So ultimately, your plan was what you said it was to build around Jay Cutler. You sent a message to the team. They were inspired by the quarterback, and you saw what happened against the Vikings. And Jay Cutler's the answer. I'm sorry. He is what he is, but I know what he is when he's supported is damn good. And I'll sign up for that. <laughs> You know, I have to wonder, and I, we touched on this briefly in the past, but if we have, we didn't take it a step further, that if Connor Shaw had been healthy, we, we, we both agree that Brian Hoyer doesn't make the 53-man roster, then Jay gets hurt against the Texans and then again against the Eagles and is out. Brian Hoyer, or, I mean, Connor Shaw beats the Colts, beats the Jaguars, and gives you a damn good chance against the Green Bay Packers. If, if Connor Shaw then continues to stay healthy, is there... Is there a chance we don't see Jay Cutler again this season? I mean, would John Fox? We assume John Fox would have kept going with Brian Hoyer for a while. So, if if Connor Shaw had come in and been winning football games, I mean, does that could that have marked the Philadelphia Eagles game being the last game of Jay Cutler in Chicago if Connor Shaw had come in and won three games? Um, I don't think Brian Hoyer would have came out if. You know, he had one. So Connor Shaw, that, that type of hypothetical, we all saw the Connor Shaw that we wanted to see. And we thought we found a diamond in the rough, and unfortunately the guy was hurt. So it's a great question. If you, Are you asking if he would be the – if he would still be in the game? Yeah. I mean, would there be, if, if Connor Shaw had started winning games, would there anything be, because you know, you feel like if, if Hoyer had lost, played the whole Packers game and lost, and then played the whole Vikings game and got destroyed, that eventually, you know, one and one and seven, maybe if they lose to Tampa Bay one and eight, eventually they would have had to make a change with Brian Hoyer if they just kept losing football games. But if Connor Shaw had been in there and had been winning football games with Jay Cutler healthy and sidelined, would, would there have ever been a non-injury reason that would have made a change at quarterback with Shaw instead of Hoyer? Uh, that would be interesting, Lauren. I don't have the answer to that. No, I mean, it, you don't. I just wondered if, you know, it's I just think, something to think about. I honestly think they would have rode with Hoyer, so I think they would have rode with Shaw, too. I and honestly you, think if Hoyer didn't get hurt, Jay Cutler never saw the day or the light of day against the Minnesota Vikings. And that's where I feel like this is on the head coach. He has control of the 53. You know, he was having to eat crow by having, and it was very difficult for him to say what you heard the offensive coordinator say and saying to everybody today that the difference in the game was Jay Cutler. You didn't hear that from the head coach, did you? <laughs> He said, yeah, 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 he insinuated here or there, but he didn't give you the emphatic, there was no doubt, pat on the back, we're rolling with Jay because of look what he did. It was almost as if they all were inspired by Jay, yeah, but, you know, this is how you got to play. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that unfortunate situation is one with which – continues to happen with Coach Fox that you're seeing here in year two. 
And, you know, we, we've only got five minutes left, so the, the last thing I want to end on here is, is back on this Connor Shaw idea, just because we've been talking quarterbacks and it's already off the rails in that direction anyway. You know, in the past we've talked about, well, you know, maybe the Bears don't have to use a draft pick because they've had David Fales or they've had other young quarterbacks. Does Connor Shaw – I mean, obviously, if you're in a position to take a top quarterback with a draft pick, you always – you're, you're going to want to do that with an older quarterback like Jay. But do, does – the, the potential we've seen from Connor Shaw, and certainly it seemed like Ryan Pace had had his eyes on him for a while. I mean, he snapped him up from the practice, from the waiver wire in June very quickly after that move was announced. I mean, do, does it at least, you know, if, if you're not going to take a quarterback, if you're Ryan Pace and you're, you've got, say, the, I don't know, the 12th pick, and you're not super, you're not feeling great about these quarterbacks, you don't feel like any of them are the answer, do you kind of feel like, okay, well, rather than use a mid-late-round pick on a guy, like just to add another David Fails to the room, that Shaw can be your young developmental quarterback and you can you could wait another year to take the guy, wait till 2018, when you could you know, go after a Lamar Jackson, go after your, your boy Josh Allen. Is that right, Josh Allen? Yeah, Josh I mean, Allen. Is Connor Shaw, have we seen enough of Connor Shaw that would keep you from potentially not drafting a quarterback? Well, Dow Loggins has saw him in Cleveland. You, I really liked what I saw from Mr. Shaw in the preseason. And I know many other people who have watched Bears football f- for many a year that uh, have had nothing but praise for what you saw in the preseason. But ultimately... I think you have to go into this draft looking to better this roster at critical areas of need. And that's where you try to hit. And ultimately, free agency opens the door for you to get the best bang for your buck when it comes to your roster. So how you fill those needs with free agency should then ultimately set the course for what it is you want to get done, how you stack your board for the draft. The quarterback position is one I feel as though Connor Shaw is a wild card. I liked what I saw from him. His doctor's notes, his reviews in the physical department should be the impetus of what it is that you want to have moving forward on this football team. If he is getting good uh, medicals back, then I think you're on to something, Lauren. I think you could say, you know, we have a guy here in Connor Shaw that we liked. He's athletic. He has a good arm. He's got experience. Yes, he was hurt, but he was really um, fitting in our system. Then ultimately get to the point where you and myself and others have seen this football team not develop that second player where you can ultimately have the opportunity to set yourself up in 2018 to pick that quarterback of the future with a wild card on the roster that can ultimately, you have Jay Cutler, Connor Shaw's pushing, showing you things and signs. Now you can have, your perfect ideal situation. If Cutler gets hurt, Shaw's in. You're seeing Shaw. Is he the answer? If he's the answer, you're still drafting a young developmental quarterback because you've ultimately filled up this roster. So he's a great piece of the puzzle that you're stashing. And I like that in this department, you know, in this quarterback field. I don't like this quarterback draft in 2017. I think. 2018, I'm with you, step for step, is a better opportunity to do what you need to do at that position if that's what you're doing. But doesn't mean I don't want to draft anybody at quarterback. I think that's the wrong road to go. I think you need to find players. You see what Dallas did. You see what other you know teams have done. If you identify someone that fits your system, that has the right traits and the right mannerisms that you look for in a player then you try to get that football player no matter where he is but ultimately in this draft talent wise as you saw what the rams have done they've you know financed their future on a guy that isn't playing and we don't know what he is 
I know you and I ranked him in the lower half of the draft. He ended up going first overall. That, to me, is dumb drafting. You don't just draft a guy to try to potentially fit a square peg in a round hole. Well, yeah, and I'm going to have to cut you off here because we're down to literally 20 seconds left on the show. So we're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, you know, you mentioned the draft not being strong. That means one-year $12 million deal for Ryan Fitzpatrick to Chicago next year, right? Here, Kirk Cousins in free agency. There's your quarterback solution. Yikes. All right, but for Phil Atoshin and Lauren Cox, that's going to have to do it for Bears Hour Live tonight. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you'll join us on Sunday, 30 minutes after the game, as we recap it live. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 